Hello, everybody. I'm Kevin Witham. Welcome to Season 4 of the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Jesus prayed for unity so that the world may believe. Our mission is to connect and gather with Christians outside one's family of churches because we believe unity starts by building relationships. We say unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and let's get started with another conversation. Hello, Common Grounds Unity friends, new and old. This is Tina Bruner, the co-host for Common Grounds Unity podcast. And we'd like to welcome you back for episode number 128, which we're going to call Embracing Memory and Imagination with Dr. Jerry Taylor, the founding director of the Carl Spain Center on Race Studies and Spiritual Action. And we have a double blessing today because my co-host, Rudy Haygood, is with us, and it's a blessing to be with him. And we hope that you're encouraged and inspired as you listen to the rest of our conversation from part one. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it and join our conversation. I wonder if, and you know, Rudy, you could answer this one too. Where do you guys see some positive examples of the church doing good work in the in the space of racial justice, racial relationships. Um, like, where can we look for encouragement? I, I, I'll go on first, give Jerry a chance to kind of get his thoughts together, because that, that's really me saying I don't have much to say, so I'm going to go first. But uh, I, I do want to say this, because he won't promote himself. Um, the... Um, person that I have seen um, be um, consistent and intentional um, about this work um, is sitting with us right now on this podcast. Um, The Racial Unity Leadership Summits um, that um, pre-pandemic he was putting on, these are major events, um, three of them a year um, in on location, on site, you know, going to Emmett Till's house and, you know, things like that. And uh, the African-American leadership summits um, that uh, Dr. Taylor um, would uh, lead us in, um, bringing us together to zone in on certain issues. The spiritual retreats um, where you had people, the majority of the restoration movement is a very heady movement. um, And he would have us doing contemplative practices um, spending time um, in silence, going to monasteries, um, all kinds of people, whatever your background. We were there together, um, communing with God, um, and not just with a cup with juice in it and a tray uh, with bread in it, uh, but communing with God um, spiritually. And so the work that he's done, preaching and speaking all over our country. Um, and even uh, internationally on unity, um, on um, issues of righteousness. Um, I just wanted to take an opportunity to say, um, I have seen um, someone do that right now. And it is um, the one I call big brother, uh, Dr. Jerry Taylor. So I'll, I'll just highlight you and, and give you a chance. Cause I know you weren't going to talk about yourself. So I'll <laughs> I just took the opportunity. So. Oh, thank you, Rudy. Thank you. And whatever work uh, God has done 
through this flawed vessel. Um, he has done it with the communal support of good-hearted people uh, like Rudy and Osheree uh, and their children, uh, Darren and Gloria and Jamal and Melissa and the whole uh, Haygood family. They have been great supporters. It's too many to name, so he just stops. I got seven kids. <laughs> yeah, when you get down to like yeah, fourth well. name, it's like, and the rest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they have been food uh, for my soul, for my spirit. We get together, we laugh, we have fun. Uh, we can just uh, be silly together, you know, and maintain a level of respect and love for each other. So I'm grateful for them. Um, and, you know, I just believe that there are good hearts still in our world that are uh, in the church in our world, uh, that that hunger and thirst for this kind of racial righteousness, that people can be righteous towards each other regardless of 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 their race. I see something beautiful emerging in Dallas, Texas, with uh, a group called March, and um, they're doing a fantastic. Uh, ministered together, black, white elders and ministers of churches of Christ in that city. And it all grew out of one of the events that Rudy just mentioned, the Racial Unity Leadership Summit that we had in memory of Botham John, a young African-American brother in Dallas who was gunned down in his own apartment by a Dallas police officer. Uh, She said that she thought it was her apartment and went in and saw him there and opened fire and killed him. And he was a member of the Dallas West Church of Christ and a graduate of Harding University, which I was at Harding University last Thursday this time, uh, speaking there to the student body, to faculty administrators. Uh, And it's just so interesting uh, that this question would come up at this time on the same day <laughs> that um, I was I was in in Searcy, Arkansas last week, and just thinking about Botham's uh, tenure there as a student, um, and then to mention the work that is going on in Dallas with the March a group of, of elders and preachers and and members of the Churches of Christ there and others, uh, and to say that. Botham's life as Jesus's life and as George Floyd's life and so many others that could be put on that list, um, the seed had to fall into the ground in order to Mm. uh, produce something um, that could be consumed, uh, something good that grows out of evil. You know, uh, God has a way of overcoming evil with good. And I think the work that the ministers and elders and church members there, the preachers in Dallas, that they're doing uh, uh, across lines of race, that is a continual testament to the life of Botham, John, and so many others. Um, And to see them continuing that work on, to me, that I always refer to that city, Dallas, and also Birmingham, Alabama, where the work has been um, challenging, but they have not given up the leaders of that work 
the white congregation, the black congregation. And we've been able to talk honestly about that, but they're still committed to moving forward. And that I believe that's what it's going to take. This is not an easy ride because this is salvation work. It's not social justice work. This is salvation work. The souls of human beings are at stake. And I believe that uh, if we really believe in saving souls, one of the main things that we have to save souls from uh, is racial bigotry and racial resentment. Uh, those who have perpetrated racism need to repent. And those who have been, been victimized by racism, we got to do some work in our hearts too, in terms of not allowing the bitterness from the experience to embitter us. Uh, but we must speak from that place truthfully, um, honestly, uh, and remain uh, committed to uh, helping to work out our salvation. You know, uh, Paul said that to the church at Philippi, he wasn't just talking to one individual. He's talking to a whole church, to a community that's got to, you know, uh, work out its salvation. So that would be my response to that. Um, um, there have been churches in the past that have been really dedicated, but they've fallen off. They don't see any new stories of crisis happening, so they tend to forget about it, uh, put it in, on the back burner until another major crisis erupts, and then everybody wants to give attention to it. Everybody wants to talk about it, but it can't just be led by the media. Just because we don't see it on television doesn't mean that it is less important. Mm. Yeah, and you mentioned that this is long and hard work. And in our instant gratification culture, like, you know, it's these things are hard mm -hmm. and it does take a long time. And I want to just tell our listeners that there are so many great resources on the Carl Spain Center website, book references, video things, events that we can dial into. So the Carl Spain, is it carlspaincenter.org? Dr. Taylor, is that the right email? Hold on. I just looked it mm -hmm, up. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So carlspaincenter.org. Mm -hmm. uh, I encourage our listeners um, not just in Black History Month, but especially this month, to to seek out resources like that from a trusted source like the Carl Spain Center. Mm -hmm. And we we just did a, a a Zoom virtual event last week. I think it was last Wednesday, um, in partnership with the Central Church of Christ and um, Hannah and Mick. Mick is the minister there. Uh, six of the white members from Amarillo Central Church of Christ went with us on the bus tour. Uh, one was the preacher and the, and the other was one of the elders and their family members went with us. And we just did a virtual event um, last Wednesday called uh, Challenges to Racial Diversity in Churches of Christ. And that would include all of the churches, really, but we just focused in on that on that group. But we had a young African-American minister and we had a young white minister that both did work inside of the same congregation trying to promote ethnic diversity. And what they encountered would shock you by some people yeah. who were shepherds 
and things that came out of the mouths of those who were in positions of, of elders um, in, in, in that church that they both tried to minister uh, to and uh, to bring about uh, diversity. So that will be on our website as well. Um, and we hope to have that up hopefully today. We just got the recording uh, part of it uh, yesterday. But I, uh, I just want to give, uh, give a shout out to, to Central Church of Christ because they yeah. stepped up and not only sent uh, people on the bus tour, but they helped to fund it as well, along with several other uh, congregations. But they've been very, very committed to the work as well. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I regret to say I'm not surprised, but that story, um, it, it it points uh, really into the next question I had for you, um, Jerry. Um, Jesus quotes Isaiah, who says, uh, for, where it says, for the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Uh, what would you say to uh, us today? What would you say to us in Christendom, um, to those of us who, to help us have eyes to see, to help us to have ears to hear? Um, what what is, what's it going to take? I think it's going to take us realizing and becoming totally aware that members of the body of Christ, we have been hooked by the world. Now, we know that the symbol for Christians is fish, is a fish. And the fish, uh, we have not been fishers of men and women, but we have been the fished. We have been hooked by the world through our five senses that our religion has made us more sensual than spiritual. Because the soul is the battleground between good and evil. And the five gateways to the city of the soul are the five senses. And we ask the question, what powers in this world have gained possession of the five gates to the city of the soul. The eyes? Who is telling the vision to our eyes? We're watching the television, and the television is telling us <laughs> what vision we ought to have of each other. The only way some people know black people is what they see on their television. And the only way some black people know anything about white people is they see it on the television. And the television is telling us how to envision each other as enemies. Mm. And we're not looking from that inner vision uh, that can come only from the inside uh, through eyes that have been reactivated by the vision of Christ who reconciles us to God, who then empowers us to no longer see others according to a human point of view. Our ears have been hooked. We're listening more to radio talk show hosts and political pundits 
then we're listening to the teachings of Jesus himself. Our ears have been hooked. Mm. Even the taste and the touch and the smell, everything there is about us, the world has studied us well as if we were mere animals. They have no respect for the for the life of Christ that is in us. They see us as commodities to be hooked as consumers and to be reduced to the level of flesh as much as they can, unthinking flesh, so that our only desire is to buy more things. We get new things today, by this time tomorrow, they're old things. We got to get thing after thing after thing until we become thingified and we see other people as things to be bought and purchased and commodified. And so I think that's what Isaiah is getting at. That uh, we've been we've we've lost our hearing to where it can discern between the voice of the chief shepherd and the voice of a ravenous wolf. Mm. See, the wolf has entered into the sheep pen, and it's now sitting in the seat of instruction, telling the sheep, "You need to become like wolves, because you can't win if you act like a sheep." You got to develop a wolf nature. You can't take that Sermon on the Mount seriously. You'll never win. That's what the wolf says. And it's sad to say that many of our sheep are more enamored by the voice of a wolf that is now sitting in the seat where Jesus had reserved for himself. And now Jesus knocking at the door and the wolf is saying, who is that at the door? <laughs> wow. And so I would say that that's where we are today that people are they have abandoned the sheep nature, they have abandoned the dove nature and they have become wolf-like and snake-like, reptilian and wolf because they believe that that's what you got to have in order to survive. In a dog-eat-dog world is to forget about being like the human Jesus called us to be and to become animalistic. And so the dirtier, uh, the less moral, uh, the less truthful uh, people are in our society today, the more success they experience, even at the altar of the churches. Sad but true. You know, the, um, and, and talking about how this is long work and, you know, you're talking about the wolf is in the sheep pen and it's the, it's the sheep that opened the gate (laughs) to let the wolf in even. And so you've seen all of these things across all your years of experience. And I'm just wondering, um, you know, it feels like, I mean, I wonder if it feels like when you look back at the long history and the long road of work you've done, Dr. Taylor, to, to just ask you, what, what is it in your character? What is it in you that keeps you committed to this long and hard work? Mm. And if we want to be part of that, what can Mm. we learn from you and how you've stayed in this? Hmm. That is a very good question. I think for me, I have concluded 
that I am already at where I'm going. And I have to keep that awareness every day of my life. I am already at the destination to which I'm traveling, which reminds me that this world is not my home. It is like a rest stop. I'm here temporarily. And so even my physical body reminds me every day that this is a temporary experience, but there is something in me that is spiritual, that is eternal, that is everlasting, and that is my human spirit connected to God's Holy Spirit. And I have to keep reminding myself that God is not ignorant. And God did not create the world without an intentional purpose. And I'm here, I'll be 63 next month. If I'm here a hundred years, it will only be compared not even to the smallest sand on the biggest beach or even to the size of an invisible cell. That reminds me that I am nothing in terms of my own self-importance, but I have been brought into this world by a by an executive decision made by the chief executive officer of the universe. God decided to let me be born. I can protest that. I can I can despise how ugly the world is, but this is something he made and he fell in love with it when he made it. So who am I to curse it? and to curse my time here and to act as if everything has to be revealed and brought to its completion on my watch. How many others have traveled this way that long to see uh, the sun of righteousness bursting forth in the morning time and to see the beauty of his embers moving across the western horizon? There have been so many others that have longed to see the fullness of the glory of God. And I'm just a little bit of even the smallest grain on the biggest beach of humanity. <laughs> and who am I to require that all of this be settled on my watch? Yeah. And so I have to check myself and to say, you know, God let me be here for just a little while, even if I reach a hundred for just a little while. And my task is to remain focused and in tune with his heart's desire and with his will uh, and with his conviction that he's going to get everything just the way he wants it to be. May not look like it right now, but I believe with all my heart that God did not create all of this to let it go up in smoke. That he's going to bring every knee to a humble position, and he's going to make every tongue confess that he is who he is. And uh, and whether that's during my lifetime, uh, after I've been dead a hundred thousand years, or how many years God has left for this existence, um, I just know now, through Christ, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that I am in him and he is in me, and we are made kinfolk, spiritual kinfolk, uh, through the work of our elder brother, Jesus. 
And that has to be the source of our inspiration, the source of our encouragement, and the source of our courage as we continue to do this work. Yeah, we're human. We get tired and we feel like giving up. And God is saying, that's exactly where I need you to be. Because now you know you can't do it. But there is one who can and has been and is and will continue uh, even in places that we're unaware of, God is at work. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Taylor, for your example. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jerry, as you talk about your longevity, um, a few things come to mind for me. And uh, the first is what Tina just said. Thank you. Um, thank you for the hits that you've taken for all of us. Uh, thank you for the arrows. Um, that you have removed and went to God for healing um, for our sake. Thank you for being a John the Baptist today, um, paving the way for um, so many of us um, towards unity, um, towards compassion. Um, And thank you for challenging us um, not to sit on our hands. Um, God bless you. That was um, the first thought. And, uh, the second thought was, uh, it, it reminds me of that song we used to sing uh, back in the day. And um, I'm a hard-fighting soldier. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Jerry, you just... <laughs> and man, Jerry, no matter what, you have, uh, you, have, you have kept going. You know, you've kept your hand to the plow. So God bless you. Uh, and the last thought was, I can't believe he tempted me in front of these people by saying his age out loud. I can't believe, but I did good. I didn't say nothing. I let that go. I let that go right by. I just, I just want, I want a little credit for that. I did. I, I, I didn't mess up the moment. I let you have that. You, you did that. Though. You tempted me in front of but uh, <laughs> um, I, I do want to ask you in all that you you've. God has allowed you to do mm-hmm. and all that you've been faithful through and what has been um, some of your greatest discouragements? Uh, what is uh, your greatest hope? And um, where do you envision your ministry um, in the future? Um, this is a question that um, Dr. Foster gave us and I, I, I want to hear it too. Like what, what are your, what are your greatest discouragements? What are your greatest hopes and where do you envision or where do you see your ministry going as you continue to be a hard fighting soldier? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the greatest discouragement I would say has been to see, including myself, how many Christians give greater reverence to mammon than to the God of Jesus. Mm hmm that uh, we say, we hear people say, we, we need money. I very seldom hear people say, we need God. Mm. And so sometimes the, the greatest discouragement has been uh, when, we, when we talk about doing God's work on earth and promoting his will on earth as it is in heaven, we sometimes give more credence to the role of mammon than we do to the role of God's spirit. 
And so to see how some of our institutions that depend on a strong donor base, um, a lot of times will create programs and agendas that are more sensitive to the donor base um, in terms of funding than creating those programs that are sensitive to the desire of God's spirit. And to see that there sometimes is a wholesale sellout uh, of the Christian community as it pursues um, money as if it is a God uh, in which, you know, money is not evil within itself, but when we when we, when we replace our desire to do good in the world and have to run it through the filter of economic concerns and not run it through the filter of God's concerns, that can be quite discouraging. <laughs> and then to go on Wall Street and see how the golden calf has grown into a bull <laughs> on Wall Street, mm -hmm. though it is bronze, uh, people put their faith in that symbol and even touch it, you know, that, that can be very discouraging at times. But uh, my greatest hope is that there are uh, people still alive who believe that God is our ultimate source of survival and he knows that we have needs of things as Jesus says right there in Matthew chapter six. So um, my hope is renewed day by day as I talk with young people that I meet for the first time and they're eager and I get a chance to have the conversation with them um, and to try to share um, whatever insights we can and to, to see their hearts just open and receptive uh, to, to hearing what they can do in terms of giving their life to God and trusting him. And that may sometimes take you through the valley of poverty. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can't help the poor without becoming one yourself. And so asking the question, am I willing to do that? Um, and so there, there are young people out there and some people are age, my age, that still is still in the fight, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, that gives me hope. And then the last one, what was the last one? Where do you envision your uh, ministry moving forward? Where do you envision oh, your ministry going moving forward? I envision my ministry um, increasing in its realization that stillness is the key. That true movement from God comes out of a profound commitment mm. to stillness. And so I want to sink whatever I do going forward into a serious stillness and silence in his presence because he screams the loudest in the silence. And I don't want to get too busy doing his work uh, that I don't sit still long enough for him to do his work on me and on my heart to make sure that my motives are right whenever I step out of that space of stillness and silence and allow him uh, to utilize my heart. 
And I don't think he can do heart surgery on us while we up and running and moving about. If I ever have to have heart surgery, mm. I want a surgeon that will help me to know that I need to be still, go under anesthesia, <laughs> and let him do the surgery on my heart. So when I wake up, all I need to do is recognize I had a good doctor, you know, and that's where God is. Yes, so we have have to go into that that silent place, being consciously asleep in his presence, mm -hmm. consciously asleep in his presence, as he had to do uh, Adam when he put Adam to sleep and he brought something wonderful and beautiful out of Adam that we have today. Thank God. And, uh, and when he woke up, he recognized that God had done something that he could not do himself, but he had to go to sleep and let God do God's work. And I think that's that's the hope that I have for my ministry, that I will not get too busy doing God's work, that I am not still enough for God to do his work in me so that I can recognize that whatever work I do is not mine by ownership, it's his by stewardship. Yeah. Wow. Well, that is, I mean, this is a, a conversation I think I can listen to over and over again and continue for it to minister to my heart. So thank you so much, Dr. Taylor. Uh, Rudy, thank you so much for co-hosting with us. I hope that you'll come back and do it again. I want to encourage our listeners uh, to go to the show notes to check out the podcast we mentioned earlier to check out the Carl Spain Center. Um, we, uh, the Common Grounds Unity podcast or Common Grounds Unity Ministry has a Facebook page and you should subscribe to that because when we get the information about the documentary on the bus tour, we'll be sure to post that there. Um, so you want to get connected with us nice. in whatever ways we can. Rudy, do you have any final thoughts before we close out this episode? No, I just, uh, I feel full, grateful to be here. And uh, Jerry, you just keep doing it, man. You keep doing it, man. You are like uh, Babe Ruth or something, calling your shots. <laughs> you know, you're pointing out the right field and hitting them out, man. It's, uh, it's good stuff, man. Bless you. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Common Grounds Unity, um, we have a vision to create and support gatherings of unity-minded Christians around the globe and around our podcast. Uh, imagine the good news of these gatherings modeling the prayer of Jesus in our divided world. So please help us out by subscribing and posting comments about this podcast on our Facebook page. And you can also post about this podcast on your Facebook page. Let's spread the word so we get more people connected to one another. And if you're benefiting from this ministry, then we ask you to consider making a monthly donation to support the work at commongroundsunity.org front slash donate. Thank you all so much for your time. Thank you from our listeners who I know have been blessed. And uh, we will see all of you back on our next podcast. So blessings to everyone. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundsunity.org to learn about who we are and to find gatherings in your area. You can also subscribe to our monthly digital newsletter, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. 
If you benefit from this ministry, please consider a monthly donation by going to www.commongroundunity.org front slash donate. Until next time, God bless and remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.